Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, everyone. The calendar's turned. It's December. It means it's Christmas season. Who are, let's just a little bit of self-disclosure here. Who lives in a house where Christmas starts in October? couple <laughs> Christmas trees up who's who's just got that hard and fast rule of no Christmas will touch my house until the month of December yeah. <laughs> all the Grinches of Christmas <laughs> I was talking to Lauren actually a few weeks ago Sam and she said that you would not let her put a decoration in the house until the first of December or Christmas carols, or Christmas carols. <laughs> so there you go Hey, uh, the series that we're going to be teaching through, uh, through December is just called Emmanuel. And uh, Emmanuel is used a few times in the scripture, three times the name Emmanuel, which talks to God being with us. And I'm going to teach through this idea of God being with us right through the month of December, um, which is going to be awesome. Our carols events are going to be excellent. I've been told they're like 4D experiences, if you're aware of that. So we've been put a whole bunch of our uh, music on film in different places and different ways and uh, there's going to be some live elements, live message, live drama, food, things for the kids to do as part of that. So I want to encourage you to bring people to carols. It's the first time ever we've been able to do this here in Ormo, which is, uh, you know, the unfortunate, we love what carols has been for Gateway over many, many years, but the COVID year has meant we've had to do it differently, but difference creates opportunity. And here's an opportunity for us to bring friends and neighbours, be part of a great Christmas experience, to hear the life-changing message of Jesus this Christmas. So 19th and 20th, get in your diary, start booking your seats, and uh, make sure you're here. But we'll be talking about the fact that God came to be with us. Jacob's going to play a sound for us. So I just want you to see if this brings some flashbacks for some of us in this room. Who knows what this sound is? Kids, just soak this in for a minute. Okay. I didn't listen to the whole entirety of that. I probably should, because you never know what someone throws in the end of a YouTube clip, eh? We better cut it while we're ahead. Who knows what that sound is? That used to be what would happen if you wanted to jump on the internet. Someone said fax machine. That is what happens when you ring the wrong number and ring a fax line. But it used to be what would happen if you wanted to jump on the internet. You'd have to check that everyone was off the phone. You'd unplug the phone line, plug in the modem, turn it on, and wait while that sound played over for what felt like an eternity. 20 years ago when I was starting to notice this young lady named Christine that was part of our church, uh, we started to hang out a little bit and then I disappeared for a holiday to Canada. But I was not worried about the beauty of Canada, I was more concerned about the beauty back home. And so I used to go and find the modem and unplug the phone of the house that I was in and plug it in and listen to that sound and just wait patiently while the computer booted up and while the modem started and then while the internet loaded and then I'd go to Yahoo Mail at the time and I'd log in to my email address and I'd check to see if she'd sent me another email. And then she hadn't, so I'd close the whole thing down and half an hour, start the whole process again. <laughs> plug in the modem, turn it on, listen to the noise and wait 
to see whether there was an email there from my love. You see, we've, we've become so accustomed to things happening instantly that even that sound just brings like the jitters into some of us. Because it used to be like you would log on with that and then you get to your email and some crazy person decided to send you a video file of a cat jumping off a roof onto a garbage truck that went for four seconds and was like one meg and it'd take 20 minutes for the stupid thing to download until the rest of your messages came through. We just hate waiting. All those years ago, I waited patiently for Chrissy, but she's not here, I can tell you. She's really an impatient person. Like, I will just settle on the couch some afternoons with a cold drink, turn the cricket on, just ready to enjoy a few minutes of watching the cricket. And she'll be racing out the door to take the kids somewhere, I'm not sure where, and she'll say to me on the way past, honey, can you do me a favour? And being the great husband that I am, I say, of course I can, what would you like me to do? And she says, there's a few things in the wash that haven't finished yet, I've got to go, the kids are running late, can you just hang those three things out? And what do I say? Of course I can. Five, six hours later, I don't understand why it's icy cold in our house and I'm not understanding why the communication has dropped because I notice Chrissy hanging things on the line and I walk out to her and I say, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm hanging out the clock. Here she comes, just... (laughs) Awkward moment. Anyway, why are you hanging things on the line? Well, I asked you to do it and I said I'd do it. I didn't put a time frame on it, but I said I'd do it. Like, who understands this? Like, we have just become impatient in wanting to get things done. We are terrible at waiting. You know, we live in a world where we want things done now. We just don't like to wait for anything. So what do we do when we have to wait? I'm going to talk to you about this whole idea this morning of waiting, of being patient in the waiting. But to do that, I want to read the start of the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you, uh, you might want to follow along. It will come up on the screen. The start, if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures, at the start of the New Testament, there's four people that write accounts of the life and the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the Gospels or, or the good news, good news story of Jesus, who is God, Emmanuel, God with us. And I want to read just a little bit of Matthew's account of the Christmas story as we kick this off this morning. From verse 18, it says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew wants to make it very clear. Matthew's story of Jesus starts with a whole family history or a whole family tree that he unpacks. And the first thing he does in this moment is he tells us of the birth of Christ and that it is to fulfill the words of the prophet that God would be with us, God Emmanuel. And one of the reasons that Matthew writes his gospel, all of the different gospel writers have some different things in mind as they write. Matthew quotes a lot of 
Old Testament prophecy. And he wants to be very clear in his ordering of the text that Jesus is the promised Messiah. It's one of the things that Matthew writes his gospel for. And so at the start, he goes right back to the prophet Isaiah and says, the prophet said this would happen, that God would give us a gift. And that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. It's a great story because it's a story that reminds us that God always fulfills his promises. But there's something that we can really easily miss in this little verse, this great verse. The promise is fulfilled. God, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is born. And that is that the original prophecy that Matthew quotes was given some 700 years earlier. 700 years. We hate waiting seven minutes for the modem to boot up. We hate waiting seven minutes in the drive-thru at McDonald's. Actually, some of us get so upset about a seven-minute wait that we jump online. We don't have to wait for the modem to boot up anymore. We just sit in our car and we write a complaint to the McDonald's management about the seven-minute wait. Think about that in light of 700 years. Because Matthew tells a great story, and that is that God fulfills his promises, but the promise came 700 years prior to this moment. And so today I want us to sit in the tension of that wait for a little while, and I want to talk about how we deal with life and how we deal with circumstances when we're called to wait. When things don't happen as quickly as we want, when God doesn't come through the way we want or the way we hope for, and when things don't, the story that we write isn't the story that we'd hope for. How do we live and how do we exist and how do we operate as people of faith in a time of waiting? Let me take you back to the story where that original prophecy happened. As I said, 700 years or over 700 years before the time of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke to King Ahaz. Now, really interesting, you can read the interaction that Isaiah has with Ahaz, and we're going to from Isaiah chapter 7 today. But if you go to the book of 2 Kings, uh, you can read of the story of Ahaz in 2 Kings chapter 16. Two parallel stories about the same king at the same time, and it gives you a really interesting perspective about what's going on at the time that Isaiah writes. Let me just read you the Isaiah passage, and then let's unpack it for a little bit. It says, When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezan of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramal... Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Let me just pause there and tell you what's going on here. So Ahaz is king of Judah. A few weeks ago, I talked about how Israel had split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was the kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom, with the capital Jerusalem was the kingdom of Judah. Now Ahaz is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. And he's starting to get nervous because two kings to his north, the king of Israel and the king of what is Syria or Aram, have started to band together and actually want to lay siege to the kingdom of Judah. And they've tried and they've failed, but Ahaz is getting nervous in his spirit about this oncoming assault from the north. And so Isaiah goes out to meet Ahaz, and it says that he's at an aqueduct, inspecting the aqueduct. In other words, he's inspecting some of the infrastructure, probably because he was concerned about what was going to happen if battle came to his land. And so Isaiah goes out to meet King Ahaz at the aqueduct, 
and to bring him a message from God. So the Lord said to Isaiah, go out with your son, Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. And say to him, be careful, calm down, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Meriah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and let's make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. So Israel says, You guys are freaking out, Ahaz. It actually says that they're shaking like trees. That's the, the imagery, the metaphor that the Bible gives us, that they're so scared they're shaking like trees. And Isaiah goes out and says, we know why you're scared. You're really scared that these two kings are going to come against you. But this is what God says, Ahaz, and this is what the Lord says to King Ahaz. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Okay, there's a lot of kind of wordy language in there, isn't there? Isaiah says to the king, you're worried? But God says, don't be worried. You're concerned they're going to come and lay siege to you? This is what God says, Ahaz. Trust in me, it will not happen. It will not happen. Just trust in the Lord who's always looked after you. And there's some really interesting, for those that love kind of jumping into the text, there's some interesting things for you to wrestle through in this. Notice that when Isaiah comes out, he talks about the house of David. And if you go back to Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy of Jesus or the family tree of Jesus, King Ahaz is actually mentioned in Jesus' family line, in the line of David. And so Isaiah says, are you of the house of David? In other words, God has promised to the house and line of David that he would be with them. So Ahaz, stand firm in the promises of God and stand firm in the promises and the truth of what he's done and his faithfulness. Because even though you fear what is going to come against you, it will not take place. God so fervently wants to tell Ahaz that it's going to be okay that he then says this to him in the text. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. In other words, Ahaz, so do I want you to trust me that I'm even going to give you the chance to ask me for a sign and I'll give it to you that's going to be okay. But then Ahaz says this, I'll not ask, I'll not put the Lord to the test. Now we, really, we read that and think, good on you Ahaz, you're a man of faith. But no, no, Ahaz in this moment has, has a choice to make. Because God says, I want you to trust me. Don't fear what's coming from the north. It's going to be okay. And so you can trust me, I want you to ask me for a sign. And Ahaz says, no, nah, it's all right, I don't need to. Uh, Ahaz plays this kind of, holier than thou devote stance before God but really it isn't it's actually a stance that shows a lack of trust because Ahaz doesn't want to ask God for a sign because if the sign comes then he has to lean into it and you see sometimes it takes a big step to step into trust in God even when the circumstance around us shows something completely different and God was asking Ahaz to step out in faith and trust that it'd be okay but Ahaz isn't sure that he wants to put his faith and his trust in God but would prefer to rely on his own devices. You see, the story goes on, if you're reading 2 Kings, the parallel account of this moment. 
we find out that Ahaz chooses something completely different. He chooses to align himself with an even more powerful nation to the north, the nation of Assyria, that in the time of Ahaz was the great empire, the great uh, power, superpower of the region where they lived. And so Ahaz has the chance, do I trust God or do I trust in human wisdom and human might? And Ahaz decides to align himself to the empire of Assyria, to give up the worship of God, to turn the temple into place of worship of the king of Assyria and the gods, the pagan gods that the Assyrians worship. You see, Ahaz didn't want to trust the things of God. He chose to put his trust in human strength and resources. You see, Ahaz, as one commentator puts it, was filled with short-term panic and long-term foolishness. And here's the thing about waiting. You see, God, God then says, well, you're not going to ask for a sign, Ahaz. I'm going to give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Emmanuel, for he will be God with us. So even though Ahaz doesn't ask for it, God says, the sign is coming. God is coming. God's going to move into the neighborhood. God is going to presence himself with you. God is going to presence himself with his people. And it'll be a sign that God has all things in control, but Ahaz chooses to walk away from that. You see, sometimes it's really hard to wait. But I want to encourage you two things today. Number one, it's this be patient in the waiting. Be patient in the waiting. The story of King Ahaz is how King Ahaz chose not to rely on God and trust in God, but to go to his own resources. And so often for us, we can go to our own wisdom to solve the problems. Ahaz chooses to look at the circumstance before him and filled with fear, comes up with a human response to it. He sees that there is someone else who can help him out, the empire of Assyria. And if he aligns himself with this more powerful empire, these two smaller nations to his north will have no power over him. And even though God says to Ahaz, don't do it, Ahaz chooses human wisdom over faith in Jesus, over faith in God. So he aligns himself with Assyria, which history proves in the decades and the centuries to come will turn disastrous for the people. As the Assyrians and others lay waste and besiege them and the people are led into exile, you see, Ahaz in his impatience chose human wisdom over godly trust. And we can go to our own wisdom to solve the problems that we face because we get impatient in waiting for God to do what he's promised he's going to do. Not only can we go to our own wisdom, we can be people that can be so easily driven by fear and not faith. The text tells us really clearly that King Ahaz is filled with fear about what's about to come. Fear actually causes us sometimes to do irrational, unwise and rash things. And right now, maybe at the back end of this year, you've been filled with fear about the future and the fear about tomorrow, that right now there's some things before you that might look great. But don't let short-term panic turn into long-term foolishness because you're impatient in waiting for God to come through. If we go to our own resources and we, we stop trusting God to come through to his promise, we can end up making rash decisions that are fueled by fear rather than fueled by faith. And King Ahaz is filled with fear and chooses to walk away from his faith. The third thing we learn as we're called to be patient in waiting is that we can so easily seek comfort in other things. You see, Assyria offered short-term help, 
But long term, it was going to be a story filled with pain and devastation. Let me pull this out of 740 BC and bring it to today. Actually, wonder if for some of us right now, there's some things that haven't come to be in our life. And you just know that God just keeps saying to you, just trust me, just trust me, just keep walking with me. But you actually are getting impatient in it. And it'd be really easy right now to go to your own resources and to go to your own wisdom and to actually find comfort in other things and other people. Young people, I want to encourage you in this. Some of us relationally are going to have to walk through seasons of waiting. And as we see everyone else around us find themselves in relationships, the temptation is that we stop actually walking the path that God's called us to walk and we jump into the first thing that offers itself as we seek to take comfort in other people and other places. I just want to tell you, play the long game. Stay patient in the waiting. Because short-term panic can lead to long-term foolishness and short-term solution can lead to long-term pain. Be patient in the waiting. Some of us right now at the back end of this year have had a devastating year in our finances and there's some things that are floating around before us that suggest that there's some shortcuts, there's some easy ways out, there's some things that maybe we could do that are going to help the situation. Be patient in the waiting. Short-term panic leads to long-term foolishness. Short-term gain can lead to long-term pain. Some of us are wrestling with that in our calling. You know, we just know that, that God's called us to something and right now it's just not working out the way that we'd hoped. We're not finding ourselves in the place where it feels like everything's making sense. We don't understand God's timing. We don't understand why God's left us where we are or why God's placed us where we are. Can I just tell you, don't take the shortcut. Stay patient in the waiting. Stay patient in the waiting. Anything that God has promised, God will fulfill. Anything that God has promised, God will fulfill. See, one of the challenges in this message is some of us are going to wait and maybe the outcome isn't going to be what we'd hoped. You see, it's easy when you tell the story, isn't it, to go be patient in the waiting. God will come through and it'll all work out in the end. But sometimes we walk through some stuff in life that we don't understand why God's not acting yet it doesn't work out the way that we hope in the end. And this is why I want to move to a second encouragement today about how we should be, what stance we should take in waiting. And it's the stance of faithfulness. Another great story in the story of the birth narrative of Jesus comes before the promise of Jesus' birth. It actually comes to a a couple named Elizabeth and Zachariah. And it's told in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's account of the birth narrative. And let me read it to you this morning. Luke 1, verse 5 to 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Now listen to this. Both of them were righteous in the sight of the Lord, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. I want you to sit in those two verses for a minute. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. We can just read past that, but there's a devastating part of Elizabeth and Zachariah's story. I mean, they lived in a culture where family was everything and, and the legacy that was passed on to family and you know, the inheritance that was passed on to family really mattered. To be childless, 
the time of Elizabeth and Zachariah was a big deal. For many people to be childless today is a big deal. And, and I don't know everybody's story here, and maybe some of you right now are wrestling with this, and I can't pretend or begin to understand your pain. And, and you probably walk through a pain that no one else will be able to understand fully because they don't carry it the way that you do. But Elizabeth and Zachariah have walked through the pain for year after year after year of not being able to have their own family. You see, sometimes when things in life go really messed up, there are the times when we start to question God's goodness, we start to question God's sovereignty, we start to question God's power, we start to question whether God is concerned for us, whether God cares about our story, whether God even notices what's going on for us. Maybe your story is not the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, but maybe there's just something else in your life and in your story that you just grieve and you keep a really good outside appearance and you turn up to church and you smile and you worship, but deep down there's a deep grief because of something that hasn't come to pass that you believe was promised to you or you believe that God was going to bring to bear one day or that you just felt like it's just this happens for everybody else. Why is this not happening for me? might be something to do with your health. It might be something to do in a relationship. There's a whole bunch of us that carry things that make no sense. Zachariah and Elizabeth carry an incredible weight and a deep pain and a deep grief. You listen to what it tells us to find the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. If you're in a season right now where you don't see an outcome or when you just feel like you're in a season of waiting and you're praying faithfully and fervently and you can't see a solution to whatever it is right now that hasn't come to pass, not only do I reckon God wants to encourage you today to be patient in the waiting, but more than that, I think he wants to encourage you to be faithful in the waiting, to be faithful in the waiting. You see, if we're not careful, we can use as a bargaining chip to God our, our acts of service and our goodness. It goes a little bit like this, and many of us, including myself, have used this at times. God, I reckon you should come through for me because if you saw all that I did, if you saw how much I gave, if you saw how much I served, if you saw the times that I turn up and other people don't notice it, God, I'm really faithful to you, therefore you should be really faithful to me. You see, our faithfulness to God should never be about a bargaining chip to get what we want out of God. Because God has given you greater riches than you would ever imagine. Sometimes we just don't acknowledge it and see it because we're carrying the pain of that moment. But what God has gifted you and what God has given you and what God is going to give you for your future and your eternal future is greater than anything you can ever fathom. The gift of God for you is more beautiful, is richer, is deeper than anything you could ever believe. But right now, you can't see it because you can't understand how God hasn't come through in that moment. I just want to encourage you, don't just be faithful, uh, patient in the waiting. Be faithful in the waiting. When things aren't going as you hope, stay faithful, stay devoted, and stay engaged. Your devotion is not a bargaining chip for your relationship with God. It's just an act of worship for the 
unfathomable riches of what God has given you. I need the band to come and join me. Christmas reminds us that God always comes through on his promises. Over 700 years from the prophetic picture and word of Isaiah to King Ahaz, Jesus was born, Emmanuel, God with us. But in the intervening time, there was a lot of waiting. And I want to encourage some of us today that this is a message for us because we're in an intervening time of waiting. That as you wait, be patient. Don't turn your own resources. Keep trusting in God. Keep living the way God calls you to live. Keep trusting his timing and trusting his outcomes. But more than that, be faithful in the waiting. Stay devoted. Stay in a pose of worship. Stay engaged. Elizabeth and Zachariah faithfully turned up week after week after week. They served God. They worshipped God. They engaged in the things of God. And they got to a point in their life where they would have given up on that ever becoming a reality. And God comes and does something amazing. God still will bring grace notes into your story. God will still bring incredible outcomes into your story. But if right now you're in a time of waiting, don't turn to your own resources. Just keep leaning into the things of God for He is faithful. Hey, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray especially for those of us this morning that might be just sitting in a season of waiting. If that's you, what I'd love you to do just as I pray this morning, I say this often, you know, often I, I'm, I'm, I can be a pretty passive, like I can, there's a lot more joy going on inside sometimes than what you see on the outside. But occasionally just as an act of surrender and as just a physical way of responding, I just put my hands out like this to say, God, I'm ready to receive something from you today. And so if right now this has been just a message that just, you know, there's a time that you're in right now that is a time of waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship or you're waiting for God to come through and open a door and a new opportunity or you're waiting for things to sort themselves out in a particular area of life and you just can't see a way forward in it. I just want to give you the invitation this morning just to trust. To trust God, to trust His timing, to trust His goodness and to trust His promises. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray for us. If you just want to receive that prayer, why don't you take that stance of just receiving this gift from God today. Let me pray for you and over you. Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. You stepped out of the glory of heaven and you stepped into the mess of humanity, driven by love, driven by the desire to give us a way to know life, know it in its fullest sense and know life eternally with you. Thank you for the story of Christmas. But God, in the story of Christmas, we encounter a whole bunch of people that had to wait that sat in the midst of promise but didn't see the outcome before them. And Jesus, I want to pray this morning for those of us here that right now are in a season of waiting. God, I want to pray for the wisdom from heaven just to rest over each person, just that they would continue to stay faithful and devoted and engaged in the season of waiting. They wouldn't turn to their own devices. They wouldn't put their hope in other people or other things. God, they wouldn't pursue their own human wisdom, but God, they continue to sit in a space of trusting you, trusting your wisdom, trusting your guidance, trusting your direction. And God, for those 
who carry a promise that you've given to them, Lord, I just want to pray that they would continue to trust that you have always proven to be faithful to your promise. God, let us not shortcut your promises by going to our own means and devices. May we just rest in this season and know that you will always come through in the end. Father God, just minister deeply now to those in this season, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.